Welcome to Big Game Hunger, a show where me and a guest craft for the next big game every episode. We'll be taking three random ingredients and blending them together into one incredible game. I'm Gina Stever, and I crave content. And I'm joined by Jeff Moon and Jeff, who are you and what do you have a hunger for? Hello there. I'm Jeff Moonen. I am a voice actor, a podcaster, and just a very, very avid nerd. I do a lot of other things, but I think they all fall under avid, avid nerd. And I hunger for coffee. <laughs> that you're drinking out of a Pax Unplugged mug. A really cool one. My, my, my rainbow Pax Unplugged. That's my coffee mug. I also have a, a Wild Bills mug from uh, a video game con. That's my water cup. <laughs> okay. Uh, double fisting the incredible epic metal mugs. <laughs> This is this this is the uh, the way of things. I need to hydrate for for voice reasons, and I need to uh, caffeinate for living reasons. <laughs> uh, Jeff, would you say you have a normal amount of video games, or would you say you have an insane amount of video games? Uh, I would err closer on the side of insane, more than the <laughs> average person, more than the average video gamer. In fact, I would put you just above the average museum. Yes. Oh, yes. No, I would say that I am an amateur library. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is accurate. Um, when did you start collecting like vintage retro video games? Well, I would love to say when I was a kid, because hmm. I even as a kid was very into I was always a console generation behind on things. Hmm. So especially once I started it, I wasn't just relying on, like, birthdays and holidays to get games. When I was, like, buying them for myself, I was usually a generation behind. So it was very much about what can I get for 20 bucks? What are the weird things? What are the off-kilter stuff? I've never heard of this before. Let me go for it. And so I accumulated a good amount of off-the-wall games. And then <laughs> my last year of college, I was getting evicted. I was oh, no. under a... Uh, weird notion of when I became uh, a man, I put away childish things and I sold about 95% of my video game collection. Yeah. I, and I am still kicking myself over that and I will be for forever. But I think probably around a year or two after that, I started collecting again. (laughs) I moved into an apartment where the person moving out left behind their PS1, which is probably, Mm. if I had a Desert Island console, that it would be the PS1. And so it was just kind of, oh no, they've got me again. (laughs) And so I started from there when I started dating my my now spouse. She brought over some of her games. And then now that we are a child freak, couple in our 30s all of our friends from the hometown are having kids and getting rid of their old stuff oh smart so we are we're sort of the farm upstate where you can go and visit your (laughs) sega genesis (laughs) i love that where they're free and can live happy yeah they're well i would say i i don't know if you have like a list of questions about my collection here but i can tell you right now probably my (laughs) rarest biggest like the coolest thing i've got is the star fox super weekend challenge cartridge whoa okay for those who are unaware of what this is a few months after star fox for the super nes came out in america kb toys ran a a competition for a whole weekend where you could go to a kb toys there's a kiosk with a copy of star fox that had a hard five minute timer on it 
get the most points you can. Winner gets a bomber jacket. And afterwards, they made 2,000 of these. And afterwards, they sold them through, I think, Nintendo Power and then just whatever other means. So there's probably 2,000-ish of these in existence. And a very dear friend of mine who I have known more years than I am comfortable saying, (laughs) he's one of those friends that now has three kids and, you know, he's keeping his Wii U to play Lego games with his kids and whatnot, but he's never going to pull out his Super Nintendo. (laughs) And so we have kind of become where he drops things off and he gave me a Rubbermaid container that had, well, he gave me two. One had all sorts of instruction manuals that are just wonderful. Love that. Yes. Yes. I've never looked through the link to the past instruction manual before. (sighs) That thing is a treasure trove. (laughs) And the other one had, like, Mega Man X2, Mega Man X3, regular Star Fox, Star Fox Super Weekend Challenge, and a bunch of other stuff. And I'm like, what do I owe you? Do I swear a blood oath? Like, what is is up, man? He's like, are you going to sell it? Absolutely not. Are you going to play it? Yeah. (laughs) Then take it. Incredible. That's... That's what it is. And I think it I I will say it's remarkable how often you all are playing these games because I feel like other people I know who are retro vintage collectors are doing it in a really austere like hands-off kind of way which mm-hmm. is important in some ways but which is also kind of a bummer in some ways because it's like these were meant to be played like these are objects they're they're toys they're objects you're meant to be engaging with actively uh, and so I really yeah. love how often y'all are like we're, we're busting out some insane obscure console to play some insane obscure games on that's that's usually <laughs> the goal one thing that's really helped us with this and I'd love to put this out into the world yeah. is because again both Sarah and I are avid gamers for anniversaries we will that's usually our favorite anniversary activity is to pull out a game whether it's one we haven't played in a while or one in the collection that like one or the other hasn't played yet or we both went oh we should have this but haven't played it yet Mm -hmm. and the fun part of this is because there's all of those you know the first anniversary is the paper anniversary (laughs) or the clock anniversary depending upon traditional or modern we go okay what anniversary is it what game matches that? Yes, I love that. We're coming up on our ninth wedding anniversary this year, and I think that is pottery. So we're probably going to play a Zelda game. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I think you could play Zelda games for a lot of them if I had to guess. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's the other thing. Like, <laughs> let's really stretch this out if we can. But also, sometimes, I mean, one of the times we just played through Super Mario Brothers 3 together, and we played every level, handed the controller back yes. and forth, and that's what we did. Oh and so, because that's that's her f- probably her easy favorite game of all time. Incredible. Um, I, I hope you know that you just became like so many people's couple goals. <laughs> Look, I... I <laughs> We're vomit-inducing, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know how I got this lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty nice life. Uh, I'm going to have to email Sarah and see if she wants to be on the show. Please. I cool. think she'd have a lot of fun with this one. Yes, she can use your incredible uh, voice acting dungeon. <laughs> yes, get her in the booth. I'm still trying to come up with a fun name for it, but I, 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 currently it's the salt mine. Okay, I like the salt Off mines. I go to the salt mines again to toil and work. You know, that kind of thing. Exactly, just that, exactly that kind of thing. That, that, that vibe. <laughs> the padded, this padded room. I mean, yeah, it genuinely a really 
a really cool little cube that you've got um, that only I can see. Enjoy this audio medium, everyone. <laughs> it's a Studio Bricks voiceover edition. Look it up. Mm. You can see the inside. It's post-recycled denim, I think, is the <laughs> interior material for this. And <laughs> it's nice. It's, um, it's a very It's a very fancy booth. All right. Uh, I'm going to roll our prompts. And we can get started making this this incredible game. Let's make this game. Let's make this game. All right. I've rolled. Mm -hmm. Our prompts are, our premise is <laughs> owls. Owls. That's not even a premise. Why I love I that. I love this. <laughs> All of my tattoos are bird themed. Uh, Let's go. Oh, important context for owls is that it, okay, I feel better about this. I was like, why did I write down owls? I didn't. Owls is a contribution from Brooke Bright. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. Uh, our adjective is, and this feels like appropriate with owls, our adjective is moody. Moody owls, okay. Moody owls. And our, our, our type of gameplay is Triple A action adventure. <laughs> Triple A action adventure. Okay. Okay. So our, our just to to recap, our premise is owls. Thank mm -hmm. you, Brooke. Our adjective is moody, and her type of gameplay is Triple A action adventure. Um, when I think of Triple A action adventure, like the games that come to mind are like Uncharted, mm -hmm. where it's just like you're doing jumps and stunts and combat, and it's a highfalutin kind of Indiana Jones-esque adventure, yeah. um, which feels at odds with both Owls and Moody. <laughs> hmm. It could be, but I think really becomes a matter of scale. Be okay. Because there's been a lot of really good games, certainly, I mean, throughout history, but definitely recently that are more focused on playing as animals or playing around animals. Mm. I'm trying to remember, I think it was Another Man's Treasure is the hermit yes. crab game that's coming out. Yeah, Dark Souls Hermit Crab. Yeah, I played that at PAX West. That was a lot of fun. Yes. And like that kind of a premise where that even felt like a, the way it moved around reminded me of how you remember Ocarina of Time, not actually how mm. Ocarina of Time played. Yeah. Which a lot of really good throwback games, that's what they do. That's, you know, you don't necessarily want to go back and play Banjo-Kazooie, but you want to feel like how Banjo-Kazooie felt. Yes, I like that, yeah. Um, so for, well, with premise, does it have to be the main characters or is it a big piece or just a big piece of it? Um, it can be whatever we want. There are no rules here. <laughs> and if okay. they were, I would not enforce them. Okay, because I'm almost imagining, because Moody and Owls, I'm imagining yeah. like, Owls are sort of the the enemy, the omnipresent antagonist or whatever else. Because you've got because I was waiting for you to say stealth game, because I would have had this out the out the, <laughs> the gate. Because again, you've got the owl, that whole idea of they can turn their heads like almost all the way around. Oh. So you've got like little centuries going on. And if you're playing as small woodland creatures trying not to get eaten oh. or something like that, you've you've got the the Uncharted style, like if you're a mouse jumping from tree to tree and going about one way or the other, like yes. it's a little red wall kind of thing. I was going to say, you've, you've struck on some red wall, which I think is inherently gold. Mm -hmm. um, 
I love the idea that you're a woodland animal and a triple A action game mm-hmm. inevitably is there's going to be a stealth section. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be it's going to be the part of the game that I hate the most. <laughs> yes. I don't love stealth games. Um, but I love the idea of an owl enemy that can just, yeah, can see everywhere and yeah. is really insanely good at spotting. Um, so it's going to be the hardest part of the game. Yeah. Uh, what if... Uh, are you following this? The did you follow the saga of Flacco? I don't know if I did. The escaped Central Park Zoo yes, owl. Yes, yes, I did. Yes, yes, Jeff was hiding in the zoo the whole time. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm obsessed with Flacco, uh, and I follow a bunch of New York birding accounts so that I can see pictures. Of uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything more I need to. I don't think I need to tell. I, I think you got it. So Flacco is a, a Eurasian eagle owl that escaped the Central Park Zoo, I think, while they were doing cleaning on his enclosure and was living in Central Park. And they tried to catch him for a while, but then they were like, well, he's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, and he's now he just he just lives there now. He just lives in Central Park. Um, he's an icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm obsessed and I love him. There's uh, so many birds in the greater New York area that are just like, well, they got out. There's yeah. monk parakeets in Brooklyn now, okay? <laughs> They're just there. Yeah, I mean, that's what pigeons were originally. They were like pets. Uh, yeah, and, Ro- and rock doves. Rock doves, yes, a much more genteel way. Well, they, they got... They, yeah, they're, they're suited to the urban environment because... The large facades of buildings match the sort of cliff sides that they would make in which they would make their homes. That's why there's peregrine falcons in New York City. Oh, that's cool. Um, What a weird ecosystem that we've created of birds. Yeah. 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 Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. New York is a melting pot for humans and birds. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, So I don't want, uh, I hate to, I hate, I mean, Flacco can be a villain. (laughs) I'm just, because like Flacco has been, out there, like, doing good work fighting the rat problem of New York. I mean, that is also just as much. A, I was just going off of my gut here. Because yeah. there, again, something like Flacco, whether it, that's also fun to do. Because if you rock an urban environment, you can make Central Park an yeah. entire ecosystem <sighs> as well. You can have that pseudo open world. And you've got a day-night cycle. You've got uh, people who support you, people who don't. You've got other birds to deal with. And also with Moody, my brain immediately goes to, because again, I just, I I, I called myself out on PS1 being like my my (laughs) Desert Island console, the original Oddworld games and how there was a little bit of managing the moods of the other Moodokins. Okay, that's interesting. And I don't know if there can be a you know, a temperament kind of thing going on there. Yes. Yes. There are different bird settlements in Central Park and Flacco is sort of the the every bird. Because yeah. Flacco is an outsider, yes. right? A Eurasian eagle owl in New York City. <laughs> this is out of your migration path. <laughs> You're out of the small enclosure now, buddy. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the big city. Uh, and because it's a triple A action adventure game, we can sort of get in on the like the Spider-Man of it all. Yes. 
where it is Central Park, but it's like a highly detailed, super accurate rendition of Central Park. It's like to scale. Yeah. And especially because its original design intent was meant to disrupt the grid-like pattern of New York City. There's so many winding paths. There's so many. The amount of people that are just like, this will help me navigate New York City later. I, (laughs) I mean, I definitely am subject to that very New York disease. You only have to live here for like a year for it to set in. Anytime you see it in a game, in a movie, you go, I've been there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I played Parasite Eve for the first time in forever a few years ago. And when we got to the Delacour, I'm like, oh my God, I have seen so much there. Yes. Yes. Uh, genuinely one of the best parts about having lived in New York is to be like, oh yeah, it's, it's Columbus Circle. I walked that circle. And Columbus Circle could totally be part of this. And you can oh, even yeah. make it a Oh, it's totally not Central Park, but it is. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we're going to run into issues with, like, I bet, like, copyright on the statues or something. So there'll be, like, instead of the Alice in Wonderland statue area, it'll be, like, I don't know, the screw tape letters. I can't, like, it'll be... The Ponce de Leon rhombus (laughs) is called the Poncebus. The Poncebus. I like that. Okay. I love an abstract Central Park <laughs> that alludes to it, but is not it. Is not it. I'm, I'm also just a dumb sucker for puns. And also, again, the, <laughs> the things that locals call stuff, you abbreviate, you make it all weird. And you're like, why do you call it that? I don't know. I don't know. It's just what it's called. Yeah. You could call it the Alice statue, but it's not Alice at all. It's something entirely different. But you're like, there used to be an Alice statue there. People still call it the, you know, the Triborough Bridge. It's not the RFK. <laughs> yeah, old throwbacks. Yes. This, this is a deeply niche episode. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's fine. Uh, it's deeply niche to one of the most populous cities on the planet. But so that's also okay. one of those like, hey, everybody knows New York, but. <laughs> You know Central Park. People know Central Park. People know Central Park. This is fair. It was in Friends. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and I'm I'm really liking making Flacco kind of the the, the plucky outsider here. Plucky. It's a bird pun. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I love that. All right. Okay. But I think there will still be inevitably like a stealth section where you're trying to stealth past other owls. Yes. I think Uh, there can be a lot of fun with a hunting mechanic because there, again, the whole notion with owls and the different ways that they hunt, you have that like super focused vision. And mm -hmm. so you do like a little bit of a hunger mechanic, not necessarily full on like survival, but you do need to feed you do. And whether that is through trading or friendliness with other flocks or you just straight up got to like zero in on something, get in there and you get that super like Assassin's Creed bullet time, whatever it is like and the silent takedown because they're again owls. Yeah, they're owls. I think, yeah, you hit on one thing um, because it's a triple-A action adventure. Having that slowdown mechanic is such a triple-A action adventure thing, as well as having some sort of hunter vision or owl vision. Yeah, why do you have a bird companion? You are the bird companion. You are the bird companion, yes. I think what I'm learning is that 
owls are like the ideal AAA adventure. Like everything that we have given AAA action adventure heroes mm-hmm. as weird meta skills are things that owls already do. Just give them to different birds, owls especially. Like owls, yeah. like whatever owls can't have, give it to ravens, give it to parrots. Other, uh, we're, we're good. Yes, yes, I love this. I think I think that fits actually shockingly well. Mm. <laughs> so okay, I guess for a AAA adv- action adventure, it's hard because. The gameplay kinds are going to be every kind of a gameplay because that's what AAA action adventure games do now. Mm-hmm. Unless we wanted to do something that was more of a throwback. Uh, otherwise, it's just like, what me- what mechanics do AAA action adventure games have? It's all of them. <laughs> it's yeah. crafting. There's stealth. There's base building. It's just like everything. Yeah. So my question is... Mm. What's the story? Like, what is the overarching story that Flacco is trying to do or achieve? Mm. I mean, I feel as though it's one of those that starts as survival and freedom. But whether that becomes a matter of through uh, with people or with wildlife or whatever it is, Mm. I kind of enjoy the idea of I I always love the idea of humans being the real monsters. This this just always makes me. This always delights me. Yes. And so uh, there might be a thing to it of, yeah, become so beloved that you're left alone (gasps) to be your natural self in an unnatural place. Yes. Okay. I love that. The structure structure of the game is you are Flacco in the zoo. Mm -hmm. The tutorial section is you getting out of the zoo. So it's all the most basic stuff of like learning how to fly and learning, learning how to turn the camera <laughs> mm-hmm. like like you get like a little quick evade move when you're about to be grabbed like a little yes. twist or something it gets you through yeah a cool corkscrew maneuver yeah so that's can they the do that i don't level. know video games yeah yeah it's not it's fine do a barrel roll <laughs> yes yes flacco do a barrel roll <laughs> uh and then the yeah i think the game is earning earning the self-sufficiency and the belovedness to be allowed to not be recaptured and put back in the zoo. So I think I think that's the arc. That is the arc is like you have to build up your your self-sufficiency of hunting and living out there in the world. I think there was a moment where there was another owl, a Eurasian owl, hawk owl in Central Park and they were like is Flacco going to mate? And I don't think it ended up happening, oh, but yeah. There was there was some romance in the air, mm. uh, so I think like I think it'll have all of those hallmarks of a AAA action adventure game. But the story is Flacco proving to New York that if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Yes, I like this. Yes, um, the road to stardom. Wow, I love that for Flacco. Yeah, um, that's incredible. So so we're thinking like. The main anta- is the main antagonist because it, it, you have like in, in video games, especially in games of these styles, you have like the the everyday antagonists, which are like the troops on the street that you're fighting. But mm-hmm. then there's usually like a big bad who yeah. is like the one organizing all of these these um, I don't know like bodies that you're just mowing down and stuff. Um, is who who is what is the big bad humans or are the street troops on the street humans? Um, I feel as though the s- troops on the street would be humans because there again, it's a little less about how I'm envisioning this at the moment. It's yeah. less about mowing into people and taking them down mm-hmm. and more about getting viewed 
escaping. Okay. Like it's the kind of thing of I almost think in like oh. uh, shoot 'em up terms or like yeah. like true shmups where like the closer you get to the bullet, the more points you get for avoiding it. Yes. Okay. Like there's a little bit of like you want to throw in a not quite combat, but a little bit of an action adventure, almost like light Tony Hawk ideas. Yes. Of like you're doing something interesting and in tricks and like dealing maneuvering through. You know, it's zookeepers. They've got cops now. They've got animal control. They've got yes. you know. There's an ardent group of bird watchers that are just weirdly obsessed with catching you. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, I love that because that is such a perfect nat- natural escalation where it's like it just starts with zoo employees because they're like, it's Flacco. We'll, we'll be able to get him back so quickly. We got this, but, yeah. Yeah, the longer Flacco is out, the more people they need to conscript into trying to trap him. And mm-hmm. I love what you said about there being like skate-like elements where it's not – combat focused it it is like maneuver and and movement focused because um, mm-hmm. again that is very uncharted yeah, um, uncharted yeah it's traversal uh and we can we can skip most of the combat uh i think games that i love the uncharted games but the combat in the uncharted games is not why i played the uncharted games yeah it's it slows down for combat because you have to have conflict and this is the easiest way to showcase that yes but the the obviously like spider-man the best part about our game is going to be the traversal mechanics it's going to be so satisfying to fly and to dive and to do all of these things so yeah i think i think you you've hit on it is that like you have to get close enough to these zookeepers Mm-hmm. to to be seen and to to have your legacy starting to be built you've got to like engage with them uh and the the better you do it the cooler stunts the cooler owl flight stunts you do the more beloved you are which is trying to trying to get to this sort of meter fill up of where you you have one over different burrows or something like that yeah basically <laughs> i also in in the back of my head being like okay this is this is a slight shift but i'll bring it back do you know, it's a triple A title. You, of course, have it fully voiced and all this dialogue and everything else in its way. Yeah. Are the birds voiced by like important actors or is it just <laughs> uh, actors making bird noises with subtitles? <laughs> You're saying we get like Idris Elba in the booth um, to voice ooh, Flacco. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> like, it, like, like I'm thinking of an Easter egg of uh, Alan Tudyk being hey, hey. <laughs> I went to Juilliard kind of thing. Yes, one of the most beloved, famous voice actors of our time, Alan Tudyk, only making chicken noises. And the the only lines he has in that movie is playing a one-scene guy talking about, we should eat that chicken. (laughs) And I, I come back to this because I think a fun way of knowing what's going on is you find, like, newspaper articles or you find, like, stuff in the trash amongst things, and you can read little bits of it. Of course, Flacco can't read it, but you can stare at it for a while and have like the kind of, I don't know, just weird head jerkingness and even have a like, I have no idea what this means, fly off. But we, the player, get it. And like weird little abstractions of how am I doing? How am I doing? Yes. Yeah. And especially, again, because owls have such incredible vision, it could definitely be like uh, while you're while you're scoping out because you're obviously there's going to be like many games of catching rats and, and oh, yeah. feeding or, or you something, can read people's like phones e- exactly jeff exactly what i was going yes yes you you spot at a distance a hundred feet away uh somebody scrolling and they're like oh look at this cool picture of flacco i wonder if they're here right now yeah 
Yeah. All, all, yeah. All the all the actual spoken voice lines are. Yeah. Just the weird uh, crowd reaction stuff or like people looking yes. for you. And so, again, for for you, the player is an idea of is this an antagonist? This is someone who's going to help you out. Yes. And you've got to Yeah. You've got to parse each individual. You've got to detect whether like because if they've got a big camera on them, maybe they're a bird watcher who's going to respect your space or maybe they're a tourist who is going to be weird about it. Uh, and so, like, yeah, I think there's probably a mechanic around roosting and figuring mm-hmm. out where you're going to roost for the night because you want to be you want to roost somewhere where people can see you and take your picture because that's how you're going to be building up again this this fame mechanic right but without being in a way that you're caught Yes, you don't want to be too accessible um, or or you don't want to be within, I don't know, like I, I want to say striking distance because I don't think anyone would actually attack Flacco. But you you don't want to be in a precarious position where you can be gotten to. Mm-hmm. So so it'll be a lot of like judging, judging the terrain and figuring out where the safe zones are. Yeah, I think oh. a bit of daytime people, nighttime animal. Like yes. there will be people out there, but like yeah. that's where hunting happens. That's where survival comes by. And that's where a little bit of navigating the other animals go. Because I'm hesitant to lean into the idea of, you know, there's a secret council of other animals there and there's a great conspiracy going on. You can also have some fun and make up other birds and animals that are there. Like, I really love the idea of, I don't know, there being an escaped African gray somewhere in there that just is the only bird that speaks English and other languages. (laughs) And just communicates ideas. Yeah, sometimes you can go, you can go to that bird and they'll be like, yep, you're turning on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, like the ancient sage. Because, again, yes. African greys live a very long time. And so, you oh, I don't know. Like, they're some weird mechanic. Yeah, whether seeing how you're how you're doing in that way or a weird tutorial character or just, <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, everybody knows Calliope over there. <laughs> yes. Jeff, I love that you love know so much about birds. I, I've known you for so long. I had no idea you had such deep bird knowledge. It's for, I definitely am living that like XKCD comic where it's like, look, you know, we as geologists know what you know, we, we, the average person knows only like two silicates and quartz. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Of course. Quartz. I live in what I'm sure uh, uh ornithologists believe the average person knows about birds. <laughs> I'm not yeah, a I, super expert, but I, I I like birds. I only know about celebrity birds, New York Central Park celebrity birds. <laughs> I go to raptor uh, shows. This is how I unwind. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying Big Game Hunger. You should check out some of the other shows that are part of the Multitude Collective while you're here. Why, I think you'd like Join the Party. Join the Party is an actual play podcast with tangible worlds, genre-pushing storytelling, and collaborators who make each other laugh each week. They're having an incredible time, and it comes through in every single episode. DM Eric and the empathic players Amanda, Brandon, and Julia welcome everyone to the table, from longtime TTRPG players like myself to folks who've never touched a role-playing game before. Are your hands unsullied by dice? You would be welcome here. Hop into the current campaign, which is a pirate story set in the world of plant and bug folk, which is extremely fun. Or marathon the completed stories with the campaign, a Monster of the Week game set in a weird summer camp. Campaign. 
Plus Campaign 2 for a modern superhero game, and Campaign 1 for a high fantasy story. And once a month, they release the After Party, where they answer your questions about the show and how they play the game. Hey, so what are you waiting for? Pull up a chair and join the party. Search for Join the Party in your podcast app or go to jointhepartypod.com. Let me tell you about Cornbread Hemp. Cornbread Hemp is a CBD company based in... Do you want to make a guess based on the name of the company? Yeah, it's Kentucky. Their products are flower-only, full-spectrum, which means no seeds or stems, certified organic. And most of the products are vegan-friendly, including the CBD oils and gummies. Cornbread Hemp is family-owned and crowdfunded, and all of the products are grown and made in Kentucky. They are certified by independent labs with reports published on their website so you can find out more information about their whole deal. To learn more, you can go to cornbreadhemp.com. And for 25 percent off your order, you can use the code BGH, which stands for Big Game Hunger. I will also put a link in the show notes of this episode for you to click on. Yeah, speaking of Central Park celebrity birds, we've got to have that hot duck. The <laughs> handsome duck has to be in the game. Was it, was I, it the Mandar- Mandarin duck? I have not seen the handsome duck. Excuse this was, me. <laughs> this was like the first year of the pandemic. Okay. Um, and I see Central Park, hot duck. Let me see if this gets anything. Oh, or does it get to like a Peking duck restaurant? Okay, Central Park, <laughs> Mandarin duck. It has its own Mandarin Wikipedia Patinkin? page. <laughs> I mean, it's a Mandarin duck. Those things are beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yes, the Central Park Mandarin duck, also known as Mandarin Patinkin or the hot duck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Also a question mark. I, it's, it's, this one is not an escapee. I don't think they know where this one came from. There's a uh, fair amount of like duck species and everything that go on in there, okay. especially the, the the migrations of ducks and things like that. And they're one of the birds that tend to, you know, I'm, this is purely off observation. They tend <laughs> to get a bit of a free pass as mm. far as moving about. Like I don't hear often about invasive species of ducks. Okay. And okay. again, if I'm, if I'm sitting here making a game about, you know, being a bird in Central Park, there will be a hierarchy of waterfowl. <laughs> is is the hot duck low or high on that hierarchy and are they a pretender to the throne are they coming in to usurp it are there politics like that i feel uh, may, maybe politics maybe waterfowl is where we get into weird conspiracy stuff because i just feel as though <laughs> all waterfowl are kind of assholes I love them. Yeah. Ducks are my are probably my favorite animal. They're kind of assholes. They are kind of assholes. Yeah. The bigger they are, the more violent they are of assholes. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Because you're going to run into swans trying to defend their territory being a, a super aggressive swans and geese. Yes. Actual any bird combat will involve like <laughs> quick hits of get the hell away from me swan stop looking <laughs> at me swan just eh, like dive bomb them and then off you go like using yes. your hunting mechanics for like light bits of just yeah you can have <laughs> and i also feel like you can have so many dumb references in this game you can absolutely oh, have God, a horrible yeah. goose wandering around causing their own problems <laughs> Yeah, clearly, clearly Central Park is a a an important zone for Scarlet Abyss style short story. Here is this weird random bird. So it's gotta mm. be a Scarlet Abyss, obviously. Oh, there's yeah. probably there's probably also just a ton of escaped pets. Yes. 
Yeah. Like the African Grey would absolutely be that. Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. It knows of the inside life, so it is the best person to guide Flacco mm-hmm. in this transition period of being a zoo-kept bird to having to, to be out on its own in Central Park. Yeah, you could probably justify, because again, if we're going with the idea of an abstracted Central Park, yeah. having whatever animals, so long as it like matches the temperature of the area— and mm. isn't necessarily too absurd. Like a yep. wandering bear. Probably <laughs> a little much. Probably. Yeah. yeah. But there's going to be foxes. Yeah, there's going to be foxes. There's going to be. I'm also thinking about the fact, like, again, thinking of animals given a little bit of carte blanche. Going to the Bronx Zoo for the first time and seeing how many peacocks are just allowed to walk <laughs> around. I don't even know if they have an enclosure. They just are. <laughs> And you've just got birds like that wandering around. Or, yeah, like various escaped pets. You've got, and especially exotic ones. Oh, yeah. You'll have foxes, raccoons, ferrets, uh, different. Guinea pigs. Oh, yeah, guinea pigs. Like at least one pot-bellied pig of some kind that everybody thought was a teacup pig, but they're really not. They got too big. They got too big. There's definitely a gator. There's definitely a gator in a sewer that you meet. Oh, yeah. I'm also trying to think of like how do you – have at least a little bit of subway navigation without actually because the escape sequence is yeah like think of birds trying to get out of a subway <laughs> like there's the an escape panic. sequence where you are chased into the subway and you have to get out somehow and how I love and that's that. like yeah that's that's the high level encounter because packed amount of people don't get on the train don't get on top of or into yeah. like whatever else and yeah you can definitely make that tense. That is such a good because it, it's always good in AAA action adventure games. I'm thinking of like Mirror's Edge has a subway section where you are riding on top of a subway car, mm-hmm. and that's that's always such a nice thing to have in video games to kind of break up the pace of like uh, you're just on rooftops, you're on rooftops, you're wa- running, running, running. Here's this here's this kind of different setting, kind of different gameplay. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea that yes, there there's a time where yeah you get chased down into the the sewers or j- chased down into the subway. And you have to, it's a really tight, it's a much smaller area to fly in. So this mm-hmm. is really a skill test and of, few of your traversal. Yeah. Yes. And probably down, that is probably where you have an encounter with the alligator who, who like helps you out is like, little bird, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. Uh, and gets Ooh. helps get you out. But also I bet, I bet the hunting in the subway is good and easy and primo because there's rats everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. It's, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's depending upon daytime, nighttime, or when you go in there. Lots of different people. And nighttime would have a very different kind of groups of folk. And there again, of different kinds of people reading as far as Mm. do they want to catch you for some reason you can't fathom even as a player? Or are they just happier around like, if you sat down next to them, would they take a selfie and let you go? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What I love about what I love about this in particular is that so many okay, when you get into that section, uh, a lot of the people are gonna ignore Flacco because that's what you do when you're on the subway. You politely yeah. ignore everything that's happening around you. Yes. It is the only way to survive on the subways in New York. Mm-hmm. And when the game comes out, people who have never lived in New York are gonna be like, that's totally unbelievable. Why aren't it wasn't everybody in talking about Flacco and engaging with Flacco and taking pictures of Flacco? And then New Yorkers are gonna have to be like, no, <laughs> 
Trust that, me. That's how it is. Yeah. That is how it is. And uh, I'm now thinking about how to depict humans in this game because I think there is something fun in further abstraction based on how birds recognize humans. Most people don't recognize different birds necessarily. You know, if you go, oh, there's, you know, Eurasian eagle owl, like, okay, that's clearly Flacco. Or there's a whole colony that I didn't know about. You know, identifying various pigeons, I don't know. And so Mm. I think something fun in terms of friendliness with other species or other enclaves of animals is it's notable that crows and corvids will recognize Mm. faces and remember friends or foes. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know about owls in that case or how much they've Mm. tested that level of intelligence. Because there again, everybody Mm. associates owls with wisdom. They're not that smart. (laughs) They're not. They've just got heads that turn really far. Yeah, like you (laughs) you see them without the feathers. They are like the saddest chickens. (laughs) <laughs> and so, they, which is real big eyes. So they look wise. They see so much. Ooh. But just talking to like some of the ravens or something like that, they can identify good people, bad people, or help Ooh. you like get some sort of a, oh, look for this. And then that starts showing up on people. Yes, I love that. We're like unlocking higher closeness or or whatever it is. Higher uh, unlocking your faction with the crows gives you better access to parsing different humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe it can be something like the the humans literally like are like faceless or something because yes. it's like what is the owl going to notice? on a human and clock and be be concerned about. So it's like, yeah, maybe they're the ones who point out big cameras. And then once once the crows point out like, oh, those big cameras, that means they want to take pictures of you. That's something that Flacco can now can now parse. Mm-hmm. That's a human thing they can parse. Yeah. I and, love that. And they're all animations that just happen anyway, but you are shifting the texture once you know what it is. Yes. Like, yes. Not, not quite like blur them out or anything like that. But yeah, just to sort of like what to to our eyes would look like complete nonsense it's human shaped. Yeah. Uh that's super cool and I love that. Uh shit let's address the moodiness. Uh cuz I feel like we're crushing the AAA action adventure and owl parts. How mm-hmm. it, in what way is this game moody? Mm. I mean, I think the nighttime the nighttime portion where you're engaging with the all of the other birds in this sort of animal world, that's inherently going to be very moody, right? Yeah, those are going to be where conversations happen. Those are going to be where you sort of build up for, yeah, a little bit of survival, a little bit of hunting, but also kind of in a very persona, confidant, social link style, mm-hmm. building up mm-hmm. things that will help you in the more action areas of the daytime. Okay. During those sequences. Okay. I know you can't be awake 24-7, but. No, but you're going to be sleeping during the daytime mostly, right? Cause, right. Because uh, you're hunting at night and that's going to take a lot of time. That's going right. to be a big part of the game. Right. Yeah. And I think part of also what helps for abstraction is what does the daytime look like for a nocturnally oriented creature? Mm. Probably part of the blurring is also a bit of. Kind of getting a little funky with the lens flare. Yes, I was thinking weird lens flare, really intense blowout. Yeah, like not necessarily like blowing out our eyes, the player, but it's like, why can't they see that? Well, because it's too bright for them. They sleep through this. 
yeah, they're not supposed to be up during this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that because, yeah, another question I had, because AAA action adventure games rarely take big swings with the stylishness of the graphics. They they all have style, mm-hmm. but the style tends to be very kind of skewed towards realism uh, and and not towards like the indie game, which is often like really, really abstract or doing really interesting stuff with with the visual style. So I'm like, I, I love the idea of making the nighttime moody in a visual sense where it's like, it's obviously going to be very shadowy and there's going to be a lot of depths of of blackness and grayness and all these over, overlapping kind of almost almost a film noir yes. kind of vibe. Uh, and then then you have that nice contrast between the kind of blown out um, visual effect, uh, uh, and kind of like yellow orange kind of scaled in the daytime and then transitioning to like a cool blues, purples, darkness in mm-hmm. the evening. And that yeah. kind of vibe I think would carry through. I agree. Well, especially if you depict the animals at nighttime in that triple A realism, like Ooh. really have a lot of fun with the animals, like these, the your your fellows, the ones you interact with really yeah. are the ones like you can really have a lot of fun with how the different animals move, whether they are waterfowl or birds or small mammals or reptiles or anything like that. You know, yeah. yeah having the gator encounter. I'm re- like, I, I love this. Thank you for that. Like, that's super cool. And yeah, having a super realistic like, oh, my God, the individual scales, whatever else. Like, let's take the T-Rex demo from PS1 to the, you know, let's go. And the people are like. Almost super hot levels of <laughs> yes. the game. Super hot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not super hot. They are super hot esque. <laughs> right, and yes. so you can have that abstraction and those sequences and that action and that everything else being a little weird, and still have your AAA look. Look at how lovingly we rendered every blade of grass and have designed this park. Yes. What's important uh. to the bird to to the owl is what is showing up. That is such a I think that's such an interesting approach because then then your your POV is not literally just your camera. Uh and I we didn't talk about whether this is gonna be first person or third person. We should touch on that. I feel like third person because also you can have yeah. a lot of like flight practice or mini games things that are almost like, you know, a Star Fox behind the back kind of you know, <laughs> the spyro flight sequences. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It has to be third person because then th- that's how you get yeah all of the the flying stunts and the the yeah all of all of those those obstacle course style and stuff. You get to see when you move the you can only move the camera as much as your uh your head can move around yeah. because your head will move with it the entire time. <laughs> uh, it's so alarming. That's so much freedom of vision. <laughs> and that's and there again, that's how we have a lot of fun with the owl's range of movement. <laughs> but I, yeah, and I love I love that. It, the POV is not just the third person perspective. It, it is that your POV of the entire world is through the eyes of this owl. Like mm-hmm. that is that is such a truly interesting take on perspective that I feel like we don't often see in games. I agree. Y- usually the the POV that you have, you understand it is you, the gamer's POV. But in this one, the POV is like, no, you are we are structurally forcing you to see the world as Flacco the Owl does in Central mm-hmm. Park. Yeah. Because <sighs> it's a, got a detective vision kind of vibe to it to me where I think yeah. of this in terms of 
how do you play as the world's greatest detective? Yeah. Well, Batman doesn't have a device that gives him detective vision. That lets us, the player, through an abstraction, through a, a link through that way, see yes. the clues. Not necessarily the way Bruce sees them, but enough so that we yeah. get that feeling. And so this is an effort in that way where, you know, we're not seeing it as the player. This isn't exactly how an owl would see it. But it's yeah. that in between that it gets us, the player, the information we need as well as being, for me, it's always about deliberate design. Why do you have the good graphics? Why do you have the poor graphics? Why is it important to have pixel throwback, PS1 blocky graphics or whatever? <laughs> deliberate design. And I think that is, yeah, it, it, it sits in that nice in-between space. Yeah, I love that. Uh, we should name this game. I don't think Flacco is copyrighted. Uh, I, I know. And... <laughs> I, and I don't know if we want to necessarily fully lean in on it being literally Flacco. No, we probably shouldn't. But everybody who knows about Flacco is going to know that it's uh, right. Flacco. And um, off the top of my head, adaptation. Okay. Okay. As the name of the whole game. Like, I don't know if that's the final idea, but like as a mm -hmm. starting notion a starting of point. because okay. you are you, you are already out of your usual space. And then yeah. you escape the zoo and you're really out of your usual space. Yeah. And there's a little bit of navigating so many different worlds of it all. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. Adaptation is a good one. Like there, there's themes of freedom. There's themes of community mm -hmm. and, and learning how to live with, with people in the sense of humans, but also other birds. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the naming conventions for AAA games, it's usually like one word. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is just like something that represents the whole game. Yeah. Um, like Uncharted. You know, you do puns if it were an indie game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or we do uh, insanely long names, which is a, has been a trend for a lot of the names on this show so far. Fair. Um, but I think something that's really punchy, it's hard because there's like Marvel Spider-Man mm -hmm. is easy. <laughs> well, yeah, you've already got the character uh, there. Yeah, I mean, there's Saints Row. That's mm. another classic. Um, I mean, there again, we can have a like, like if we're abstracting Central Park into something so that we can do whatever we want with its design. Yeah, and even pull in aspects from other parks or something like that. You can name the location. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good a good strategy. So we don't want to do Central Park. What right. is something that captures like? Freedom Prairie. <laughs> it can't yeah. be that. No. But well, because I'm also thinking of other things that are I'm trying to think of like other park areas in New York City and beyond. Like you've got Washington Square Park. You've got yeah. you Morningside. Know, uh, I, I, I live by Fort Tryon Park. And yeah. you know, you can have that kind of thing. And Okay. Uh, I mean, I like Fort Tryon is a, a good like the fort structure. Because yeah. that kind of gets at, at this idea. Maybe that's the opposite of what we want, though, because it, it, it's it's about freedom, not about like restriction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm just now I'm just looking at park names. Yeah, you've got Riverside Park, very right. literal because it's next to the river. And again, a large park. I mean, I, you know, Fort Tryon Park has the cloisters and there the can cloisters. still be a castle or fort structure. There can be a mm. museum. There can yeah. be that could also be another escape sequence area. And there again, Ooh. a different environment. 
Ooh, I love the idea that you have to go into a cloisters like museum as as some sort of quest. Like you, you for some reason like a forced sequence. I'm sure people get mad about because yeah. you gotta have that. You. Mm. In some way, you get caught a little bit, not actually like hands on caught, but sort of corralled and you end up in there. And again, you have the the bird in the airport idea of where am I? How do I get out of here? You have to spend an entire day in the, you know, the the, the Metropolitan Museum of whatever art. And then you've yes. also got like it's nighttime and you're, you know, perching on statues. That's so fun. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. Um, may, so maybe the the name of the park should capture some of the owl yes. energy. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's something like Prowl, Prowl Park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because um, you can also have it be named after a completely fictional person. Uh, that's true. But it, the fictional person should have like an appropriate owl exactly <laughs> exactly name. we can have like oh what's this and then what's a seemingly like old white guy last name to then call the park <laughs> i'm yeah i'm looking up owl oh i mean so a group of owls is called a parliament Ooh. could it could be like parliament park yes parliament square parliament square that's <laughs> that's gonna be so confusing but that's fair i kind no, of pa- like it <sighs> Because, yeah, I've got those two. Park Square. What are other things that parks are called? What else do you call parks? What else do you call parks? Um, You just call them parks. It could be like Parliament Gardens. Ooh, yeah. That is a very classy, like, upscale vibe. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of like Parliament Gardens. I kind of like Parliament Parliament Square. Um, I mean, is there something about conservation? Okay. Uh, I like that. Conservation... I mean, maybe it's like, maybe that is the word we're using instead of park. Uh, maybe. What are, what are, wait, what's it called when you've got, uh, oh, it's a habitat. Mm-hmm. So okay. maybe it could be like parliament habitat. <laughs> yeah, because uh, conservancy, conservation. Um... Have you been following the fact that they're renaming a bunch of birds? Yes. To have better, less human-centric names. I love that. I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. I, I, I do like that. The People's Owl. <laughs> that that's an indie game title. That's not a AAA title. No, I do love it though. The People's Owl is really good. Um, Invasive Species. That is so good, Jeff. I like I'm that right. One. I I really like that. That really because that really hits on a lot of a lot of what the energy of the game is while also being kind of subverting what the game is yeah in a way that people will think is super deep uh but that we never have to back up exactly with an it's, it, well it's, it's that triple a title thing where it's just deep enough that people will dig people will dig the rest of the pool for you yes yes uh i love that you hit on it okay good god coming up with a title if it doesn't happen organically is so hard mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I you really nailed that one on the head why thank you um wow i feel really good about this triple a action adventure game that we made me too <laughs> uh jeff do you have anything you want to plug do you do like a gaming podcast that might be relevant to people who like this podcast maybe <laughs> uh why jenna yes i do <laughs> i am 
I am a host and producer of Fun and Games podcast, Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff on the Certain POV Network. It is a gaming conversation show. I almost said conservation show because that's what we're just talking about. I am a game conservationist. I have over 1,400 games. It's But Fun and Games podcast is a conversation about the medium, the fandom, the history, the future, the just zeitgeist of gaming with an optimistic view of what gaming is and what it can be. And so we love having guests on in and out of the industry. We do retrospectives on series and consoles. We talk about large ideas, small minutiae, like, you know, what's your favorite controller or remembering guidebooks. And (laughs) it comes from the personal view because every game has the potential to be someone's favorite, which is why we also have a side series called SideQuest, where we have a different host every episode talking about a game they love and why they love it. It doesn't have to be a AAA title. It doesn't have to be the most obscure game ever. It just has to be a game that means something to you. And whether that is from a review, a personal anecdote, or just what the game means to you, the amount of games I have tracked down or am tracking (laughs) down because someone did a side quest about it is embarrassing. (laughs) Um, It's an excellent show, and I highly recommend everybody who can hear the sound of my voice, check it out. Yes. (laughs) Have we had you on the show yet? I don't think you have. We I gotta reached... fix that. <laughs> yeah, have me on. I'll talk about anything. You know that. Yeah, let me do <laughs> Big Game Hunger is a part of the Multitude Collection of Podcasts, edited and mixed by the talented Misha Stanton, and created and hosted by me, Jenna Stever. To support this show directly, subscribe at patreon.com slash thejenna. Jeff, what's one word, adjective, gameplay type, premise, etc., that you want added to this ingredient list? Ooh, do I have to do one of each? Uh, you can. You don't have to. Uh, let's see. Is dungeon crawler already a genre type? No, that's really good, though. The dungeon crawler. Adjective? Musical. Musical, I love that. And a single word prompt. <sighs> Claustrophobic is, is a, would be more of an adjective, but claustrophobia. I might put that under adjective and, <laughs> and premise, because uh, I think that has has a lot of teeth. For, a claustrophobic for a musical concert. dungeon crawler is absolutely unhinged. <laughs> it's low key. I think that kind of describes Crypt of the Necro Dancer. It kind of does, <laughs> which, yeah, I love that game. I love that game. One of my all timers. Uh, really good list of words, Jeff. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Jenna. Uh, and also, thank you everybody for listening to Big Game Hunger. And don't forget to wishlist Invasive Species on Steam release date TBD. <laughs> <laughs> At the rate I usually complete projects, it will uh, release in 2050 for, <laughs> for the Sega Genesis for some goddamn reason. <laughs> That's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs>